Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host, Michelle. Finally, the Colorado Avalanche are the 2022 Stanley Cup champions. So glad to be back, Chris, under such fabulous circumstances. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. And everyone, you know us. We don't claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. And this is an episode that's basically all about Michelle's team. It's very rare us in the hockey world actually get to see our teams win a Stanley Cup, but our co-host Michelle has got to see her Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. So Michelle, tell us about this Colorado Avalanche team. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to talk about their cool Stanley Cup run, I guess is what you'd call it. And I've actually written an article that's you can find it on csupueblotoday.com. That's csupueblotoday.com that basically just recaps the entire journey that the Avs went through trying to reclaim Lord Stanley's Cup for the first time since 2001. So that was incredible. Every single series had something different to offer. And uh, I guess I can just uh, start with very first series, them facing a huge central division rival in the Nashville Predators and uh, game one it was really just the Avs pretty much dominated this entire series and you could see that right from game one as they put up five unanswered goals in the first period alone and I think this was the first time if I'm not mistaken the first time that a team has scored a shorthanded and even strength and a power play goal in a single period in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So that was incredible to see. And then obviously the goaltending situation was a little, as I'm sure you know, being a resident goaltending expert, Chris, that the goaltending <laughs> situation was a little, yeah, a little messed up there in Nashville. But um, so that game, it was really incredible. Avs go on to win seven to two. And then game two, we got to see third string goaltender Connor Ingram just put on an absolute clinic in this game. And he was really the reason I feel that the Predators were able to force overtime. He was so standing on his head he stopped 49 of 51 shots faced and of course as I mentioned the Avs went on to win in overtime Kale McCarr oh my goodness one of a kind player gets the OT GWG in this game so um, that was a great win and I'll definitely talk more about him a little bit later then uh, we have game three looked a lot like game one in this uh, the Avs were able to put up seven goals and uh, they only gave up three in this game and then game four as well. It, that one was a little bit unfamiliar for Avs fans, as I've mentioned, because this was the first time that we had trailed in a game to start the Stanley Cup playoffs. But we were able to come back. It was a nice job that we did of coming back, tying up the game. And then we were able to get some insurance with the extra goal, I guess you would call it, and then uh, go on to win five to three. So uh, that series, I'll start with that series and I'll let you get a few words into Chris, I promise. But that was a very exciting series. And as I mentioned, it was great being able to sweep a central division rival. And um, this is the first time in the Nashville Predators franchise history that they've been swept in the playoffs. So I was happy that my team got to be the ones to do that. Yeah, it was an incredible run. And like I said, I think <laughs> I, I had a, a pretty interesting run this year with uh, teams that I picked against doing extremely well. And uh, it started with the USPHL. And as you listeners might have heard, I picked against the Rockets Hockey Club at every step of the way in the run to nationals. And they won it uh, with the NAHL, the Null. I picked against the New Jersey Titans every single round and they won it all. Colorado, 
I picked against them three out of four rounds. I picked against them in the first round. I thought Nashville. I know people said I was crazy, but I'm like, look, it's hockey. Anything can happen. And Colorado, I mean, the way I've looked at it in the past, they've broken that now. But Colorado kind of had that Toronto curse for me at this point. You always had so much hope for the Avalanche moving into the playoffs. You're like, oh, they're going to kill everybody. And then they just fall apart. And it's usually due to a goalie injury and then multiple other injuries, which they had goalie injuries. I'm like, here it goes. But honestly, Fancru played his mind out while Kemper was out. So the Colorado Avalanche just were a different beast this year and all i can say is i picked against them in the first round and uh they won handsomely in fact they destroyed really again a sweep of the nashville predators which i didn't see coming uh and colorado definitely proved me wrong in the first round now the second round i will say i picked them but talk a little bit about the second round Absolutely. And one thing I forgot to mention in the first round was this was a battle of the Norris Trophy winners and uh, Kale McCarr. Uh, I can't remember how many uh, points he walked away with in just the first round of 20 games, but and Roman Yossi only had 10 in to end playoffs. So um, uh, just thought that was a stat I should throw out there since that was really a battle of the Norris Trophy winners. But like you said, shifting gears to the St. Louis Blues. Yes, the big storyline was the Avs swept the St. Louis Blues in the 2021 playoffs. And I feel like a lot of people thought that that may happen again. And I 100% was one of the people who knew that the St. Louis Blues this year were in a completely different animal. They had a healthy Vladimir Tarasenko, who was a little quiet, actually, um, for the Blues. But then you have Ryan O'Reilly, who is just like the definition of a 200-foot player. He plays so well defensively, and I don't know how many block shots that the Blues had, but I know that they had a lot, and that's really where the Avs kind of struggled against the Blues, I'd say that. And yes, Jordan Bennington, he has the ability to take over a game. He's a phenomenal goaltender, but so is Billy Huso. So I really don't think that Jordan Bennington getting injured was the reason that the St. Louis Blues lost. I think the Avs were able to figure out a way to get the puck through traffic without getting it blocked. They were able to get some traffic in front of Billy Huso, and they were able to just really put on an outstanding performance. Game one, that one, my goodness, was a heart stopper for Avs fans like me. I'm sure Blues fans probably felt the same way, but Avs had a two to one lead and then they were able to tie it up off a bad turnover in front of Kemper. And then, uh, oh goodness, who was it? Was it Jordan Cairo? Who was it? I think Jordan Cairo got the equalizer and was able to put it five hole on uh, Darcy Kemper. And then it goes into overtime and Josh Manson, the manimal, fabulous acquisition, thanks to genius general manager um, Joe Sackick, just one of the many, I should say right now, was able to bury a beautiful wrist shot after he faked the one timer. And then he went five hole on Jordan Bennington, which is very hard to do. So uh, that was a great game one. Game two of round two, we saw the Avs. Uh, they didn't look like themselves in this game, especially on home ice. They fell four to one. I believe there were two empty net goals. I know there was at least one in this game. Um, and so, like I said, they just didn't look like themselves. We saw a few defensive breakdowns, I guess you would say. And then, uh, but they were able to head over to St. Louis. We were tied one, one. We were able to head to St. Louis though, and uh, steal a win five to two in this game. And, that's when the abs really started to look like themselves again. And um, 
it was just a great win for them, a nice three-goal lead, good cushion, I'd say. So um, this was a great game. I was really happy with the Avs' performance in this one, as I was with uh, Game 4 as well. We were able to take a 6-3 win in this game. But then uh, when we came back to home ice and we had a 3-1 to lead over the St. Louis Blues, and then through the first two periods, we had a 3-0 lead. And I really thought that the Avs were going to be able to take the series in five games. I really did. And I think most Avs fans probably did. Uh, but then, as we saw, the Blues, or no, they didn't, sorry, not through the first two periods did they have a 3-0 lead. The Blues were able to get one back and shorten the lead to a two-goal lead for the Avs. And then going into the third period, the Avs had the two-goal lead. And St. Louis did score, though, three unanswered goals, sent it to overtime, and just an absolute blast from Tyler Bozak beats Darcy Kemper. And the Avs were headed back to St. Louis with a 3-2 series lead. But I'm not going to lie, I was really worried at this point in time. I was like, oh no, gosh, I really don't want them to force a game seven. Uh, I really, even though we will have home ice advantage, it just, it made me so nervous because we had been through it so many times of where we had gotten knocked out in the second round the past three years. And so I just didn't want to see that happen again. But thankfully, the Avs were able to come back and they really controlled play in game six. I know St. Louis held the lead for quite some time. Um, They had a 2-1 lead when... Thank goodness for Josh Manson once again when he made that incredible block when Darcy Kemper was kind of just sliding um, out of his crease. Josh Manson was able to make that incredible block, keep it at a one to a one goal deficit. And I really think that helped the Avs out because if St. Louis was able to get a two goal lead, I don't know if we come back and win that game. But JT Comfer, his second goal of the night, ties the game. And then it looked like it was going to go into overtime, but the Avs had one last rush. And then it was Jack Johnson who dropped it back for Logan O'Connor, I believe it was. Yes, Logan O'Connor, who swept it ring wide, bounces off the far side boards to Darren Helm, who tees up a one-timer. And then it just goes far side top shelf over Billy Huso with 5.9 seconds left I don't think I have ever been more excited in my life that was so incredible I can't even believe it still I'm pretty speechless about it thank goodness for another fabulous acquisition in Darren Helm a longtime Detroit Red Wing and uh, I usually I know I like to talk a little smack to Detroit Red Wings fans obviously but I thank you Detroit for the gift that Darren Helm has been throughout the entire season and postseason so um, yeah that's pretty much my recap of the second series oh wait I totally forgot to even mention game four Nazem Kadri's hat trick was incredible when after Jordan Bennington had thrown the water bottle at him so I think it just goes to show when they throw water bottles we throw hats so love to see <laughs> Nas, he 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 feeds off of getting booed and stuff like that. So that was awesome. That he does. As a uh, as a lifelong Sabres fan, I'm very familiar with Kadri. Wasn't a fan <laughs> of him in Buffalo as a, as a Maple Leaf, and uh, was very happy to see him go to the West Coast. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's definitely fitting in clearly very well with the Colorado Avalanche. That was, again, the only series I actually got right. I called it in six games. I'm like, no, Colorado's going to take the series, but St. Louis isn't going to go down without a fight. But third round, again, I picked against Colorado. Give us a quick recap of the third round. 
Yeah, I mean, Nazem Kadri, different player than he was when he was with Toronto, matured a lot, but I digress. Yes, so the third round, uh, you know, this one, I think the storyline obviously was McKinnon versus McDavid. You got two of the best players in the world, and in my opinion, you got the best regular season player in Connor McDavid, but then postseason Nathan McKinnon is a different animal than regular season Nathan McKinnon, and it's hard to believe he could be even better than his regular season player is, but he actually is. It's incredible. It's like the, I don't know if you'd say the desperation increases or what you would say, but he just wants to win. And so um, game, game one of round three, definitely not the most defensive game. I would say as uh, 14 total goals were scored in this one, eight coming from the abs and six coming from the Oilers. So this one was definitely just, a goal competition, I guess you would call it. But uh, I was much happier with the Avs performance in game two of round three. And we saw Darcy Kemper in game one. He had to go out during the first period because he was having blurry vision. And it, afterwards, after the Stanley Cup, it was revealed that he couldn't see pucks that were at his feet. And so he had to pull himself from the game, which I felt was really classy that he did that. And uh, he just understood. He was like, coach, I can't see right now. I don't think I can perform the best for my team. And Darcy Kemper, in my opinion, is an underrated goaltender. So and he's he proved that he's a great leader as well. And I had to my team had to face him when we played the Arizona Coyotes back in the 2020 playoffs. So I know what he's capable of doing. And he prevented a lot of those games from being 7-0 in favor of the Avs. So I think he is just a phenomenal goaltender. But he had to pull himself in that game. Pablo Franzos comes in. And then in game two, he comes in and gets his second career shutout in his playoff career. So that was just amazing. He was so thankful to all the fans who cheered Frankie, Frankie. And yeah, he just, he was absolutely phenomenal in that game. He put on a clinic as well. And the team in front of him played really well also. So I got to give the defense props as well. And like I said, this was just a much more defensive game than we saw in game one. Game three, this is the one that we saw Nazem Kadri get injured in when Evander Kane, uh, surprise, surprise, gave him a dirty cross check. And uh, yeah, Kadri goes hard into the boards. Kadri missed 18 games. We'll get to that a little bit later. But the Avs were able to um, fight their way back once again and pull out a win in this game, 4-2. to two. And then game four, they were able to seal the deal with a 6-5 uh, to five victory, which uh, at first, this one, scared me for sure. Game four, it looked like that they were going to force a game five. Connor McDavid had two goals in this game, I believe it was. And, or no, I don't know if he had two goals or not, but I know he gave the Oilers a three to one lead at one point and um, he was able to bury a power play goal. And yeah, the Avs, they were struggling a little bit to start, but then I feel like they just kind of pulled together, really persevered, and in the third period, they did an excellent job of being able to come out on top in this game. So, And then uh, they were able to tie the game up 5-5, obviously, and then they forced overtime. Slap shot from Kale McCarr. Mike Smith gives up the rebound, and Arturi Lekkinen, there was a 
some question about maybe it being a high stick, but then after all, it was ruled that it wasn't. And Arturi Lekkinen was the overtime hero once again for the second year in a row in game six of the Western Conference final to send his team to the Stanley Cup. So another absolutely fantastic acquisition by Joe Sackick getting Arturi Lekkinen from the Montreal Canadiens. He's a fantastic goal scorer. So, yeah, it was awesome to see him do that once again. And, yeah, Arturi Lekkinen just had a fantastic presence throughout these entire playoffs. And he is just so great for depth scoring. So Joe Sackick knew what he was doing when he went out and got Arturi Lekkinen. And I'll let you pick it up from here. But Mike Smith, he absolutely... He was phenomenal in these games as well. He did a fantastic job. And he's 40 years old, and he looked like a young and youthful 20-year-old playing against the Avalanche. He really did a great job in goal, in my opinion. So I'll let you, the goaltending resident expert, take it from there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Mike Smith is a young 40, 40, what is he, 41 now? And, you know, I mean, look at in Buffalo, we just re-signed ex-Avalanche Craig Anderson, another deal. So $1.5 million this year, and I'm excited to have him back. I'm a huge Craig Anderson fan. I um, actually have his Craig Anderson Colorado Avalanche jersey. So very happy that uh, he's back with Buffalo, but I'm going to have to wait another year for the discounted Craig Anderson Buffalo Sabres jersey. So, uh, but very happy to have him back in Buffalo. But yeah, I mean, again, my hockey expertise shined very strongly here as again, I picked the Edmonton Oilers and they got swept much like I did with Nashville that got swept. So, um, you know, I just decided to keep going and Stanley Cup finals, Tampa Bay, the back to back so much. So they call themselves Champa Bay now against Colorado. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a good series. I'm not going to be surprised if it goes either way, but. I'm leaning towards the two-time Stanley Cup champs. And, well, let, let tell the listeners how great I am at that pick. Yeah, I don't think you were alone whatsoever. They had the experience there. Uh, everybody wanted Pat Maroon to get the fourth Stanley Cup in a row. I shouldn't say everybody because I was not one of those people. But, yes, so the Avs were definitely up against some huge competition in this series and um, everybody knew that it was going to be a battle for the ages and like I said in my article it did not disappoint whatsoever it lived up to the hype in my opinion it was incredible and we saw really everything in this series and I'll start with game one and I was fortunate enough to actually be at game one so that was extremely exciting me and my mom were there Um, every single thing about that day the Avs fans were just so loud, and that is the loudest I have ever heard all the small things sung in the third period. So start with the first period. It's uh, Gabriel Landeskog, who was able to clean up in the blue paint off of a wrist shot from Miko Rantanen, and he gives the Avs a 1-0 lead. Then we have Valeri Nachushkin, who was able to get the second goal um, that went five-hole on Andre Vasilevsky. And I believe that was the first five-hole goal that Andre Vasilevsky gave up in the playoffs. So that is not easy to do. We were up against the best goaltender in the world. So it was just so incredible. And then they were able to get one back as well. Uh, I can't exactly remember. I believe it might have been Anthony Sorelli who cut, cut the score in half for Tampa Bay. I don't know. 
it was Andre Palat. It was Andre Palat. And it was off of a beautiful feed from Nikita Kucherov on our two best defensemen in Devon Taves and Kale McCarr. So it really just goes to show you how fantastic that play was. And it was right on the tape for Andre Palat. And he was able to just uh, tip the puck in past Darcy Kemper. And then so they were able to cut the score in half, but then uh, off a of, Perfect deflection by Arturi Lekinen. I believe it was on the five on three. Uh, the Avs were able to once again reclaim a two goal lead. But as my philosophy goes, you may or may not have heard it, but I believe that a two goal lead is never enough. And that's because once a team is able to get it back within one, if they're able to do so, they have all the momentum going forward. And then it makes it easier for them to tie up the game. And then they still have momentum. And so that's that's why my philosophy is a two goal lead is usually never enough. Um, And so we saw that happen, actually, though. Uh, I can't remember who got the second goal for Tampa Bay, but the tying goal in coming in the second period after Tampa Bay scored two goals in the second period. Really, Denver only for a second did Denver get quiet. We were a little nervous, obviously, but then it was like the fans realized, okay, our boys need us, and we got super loud once again, just cheering, let's go Avs, singing all the small things. After a scoreless third period, it goes into overtime. I don't think my heart has ever been pounding faster, and I was just absolutely terrified. I think we all were, but we were still cheering our hearts out. And we had some great chances on goal, as we did throughout the series, really, but Andre Vasilevsky just being the god that he is. And in overtime, there were some scary chances for Tampa Bay, but thankfully, with less than two minutes to go, it was JT Comfer led the rush back the other way for the Avs. He throws a shot on net. Vasilevsky makes the save, gives up the rebound. Valery Nachushkin, once again, the choo-choo train coming in clutch, gets a perfect pass over to sniper Andre Burakovsky. And Andre Burakovsky is just able to bury it. And that's just what he does. He has a fantastic snapshot and wrist shot. That was a perfect play, and I got to watch the entire thing unfold. And I tell you, I had seen the fans with playoff pom-poms on TV before, but being there in person was unlike anything else. And after Burakovsky scored the overtime GWG, you would have thought we won the Stanley Cup right then and there, how loud that ring got. So uh, that gave me chills, and I was just so happy I got to be there and uh, – yeah, it was awesome. And Kale McCarr with his fabulous quote, um, they're a team that's looking to build a dynasty and we're a team who's looking to start a legacy. That that quote gave me chills as well. So I made a sign that said start a legacy for the Avs. And so, yeah, game one, just a fantastic experience. I will never forget that. Then we got game two and the Avs were perfect on all cylinders, in my opinion. They Take this game 7-0. Darcy Kemper wasn't very busy, but when he did face some shots, which is kind of difficult if you're not facing a lot of shots to stop the puck um, because you're not seeing a lot of shots on goal. So uh, he did a great job of holding the shutout, but the team in front of him really played, like I said, perfect on all cylinders. Kale McCarr becomes the second defenseman in uh, Stanley Cup playoff history to score a shorthanded and power play goal in the same period. So he just goes to prove even more that he was very deserving of the Norris trophy and just really everybody in this game stepped up and you don't only see our top line score in like the Rantanins and the McKinnons and the Landeskogs, but you also see players scoring like the JT Confers, um, obviously the Burakovskis and the Valnichushkins. So yeah, this game just 
really great. And I knew if the Avs were able to play in game two, like they did the rest of the series, that they were going to fare very well. And then we go to game three and you could tell that the Avs were having a hard time adjusting to that really weird ice down there in Tampa Bay. We know that because it's so hot and humid down there, they have a hard time keeping the ice. The players were known for being a great skating team, and the players were really falling all over the ice down there. The puck was taking some weird bounces, and it seemed like Tampa Bay was obviously used to that kind of ice, so they were coming away with a lot of those loose pucks. They were winning more battles, and even though the Avs were able to put some good chances on Andre Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky just was denying pretty much everything in this game. So Tampa Bay goes on to win 6-2. to two. Then moving on to game four, it kind of seemed like it was Tampa Bay's game to start a little bit as well. The Avs, though, were able, they you could kind of tell that they adjusted a lot. They adjusted very well to the ice down there. They understood that it wasn't going to be like it was back home. The conditions were going to be uh, much different. So they were able to come back and uh, force overtime, which was really surprising, but I was so happy they were able to do so because, If Tampa Bay was able to tie the series 2-2, I don't know if the results are the same. But we go into overtime, a lot of fantastic chances. It wasn't as fast as overtime in game one was. And then we see Nazem Kadri get the feed from, was it Josh Manson who gave him the puck? I think it was. But I know Darcy Kemper had an assist on this play, so he becomes the first goaltender in the history of the Stanley Cup final to get an assist. Um, And he gets it ahead for, it was either Manson or Arturi Lekkinen, who gives it to Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri enters the zone onside, throws a perfect shot on net, and everybody is like, how the heck did that miss? Or how the heck did Andre Vasilevsky save that? And then we see Bowen Byram pointing to the net and a bunch of the other abs pointing to the net and saying, it's in, it's in. And then the ref signals for a goal. Colorado takes a three to one series lead. So um, that was really crazy. And I'm just I'm so happy that they were able to walk away with that win in the fashion that they did. So that was a great win. Bringing it back to Colorado, having the three one series lead and then. The Avs, once again, on home ice, just really didn't look like themselves. And one of the reasons was Jared Bednar talked about it. They were nervous and they were having a hard time just keeping their minds on the task at hand. You know, it's hard when you're that close to winning the Stanley Cup. You want to win it in front of your home crowd. It's hard not to think about that. And so they were a little unfocused in that game, I would say. And uh, they were able to hold the tied game into the third period, 2-2, but then we know Andre Pilat, how capable he is of just scoring goals late in the third period. We, um, he did that in the New York Rangers series, um, and he was able to do that in our series as well. And he's just a fantastic player. Love watching Andre Pilat play. But um, So he was able to give his team the go-ahead goal. Avs couldn't uh, strike back, get the equalizer. So we're headed back to Tampa Bay. Still had the series lead, though, so that was comforting. Then game six. Tampa Bay comes out off of a bad turnover. I think it was Nikita Kucherov who was able to get it to captain Steven Stamkos, who makes a nice little move and then puts it five hole on Darcy Kemper. That was like one of the few turnovers that the Avs had that night. And it was because the puck really took a weird bounce off the end boards, in my opinion. So there was just that weird ice being a factor again. But the Avs, they didn't hang their head on that goal whatsoever, on the fact that they gave up that goal. And then 
Delayed penalty was called. Nathan McKinnon was able to put it past Andre Vasilevsky. Tampa Bay not exactly happy with it, but, I mean, the officials explained it. I could see clearly that the penalty had not been called at the time that I think it was Zach Bogosian who touched the puck. The penalty had not been called at that time. And so that's why the delayed penalty was still in effect, and Nathan McKinnon was able to get the puck, and they didn't blow the play dead. Um, So, yeah, I was happy to see Nate the Great. We were finally able to beat Andre Vasilevsky because before in this series, it kind of seemed like we were having trouble beating Andre Vasilevsky. And a lot of our goals were those dirty goals where Andre Vasilevsky was kind of, it was a flub up on his part, but we were just uh, putting a lot of pressure on him. But so happy to see Nathan McKinnon able to beat him on that play. And then... We see Arturi Lekkinen once again. Fantastic depth scoring that he provides. It was a great play. The bouncing puck, he was able to corral it, and then he just rips it far side, top shelf, to give the Avs a 2-1 to lead. It was history from there. The Avs really they maintained a defensive mindset moving forward after this. They were obviously still trying to generate those offensive chances, but another main part of their game after they were able to get the go-ahead goal was Keep Tampa Bay from getting the puck. Do not let them have the puck, especially players like Kucherov, Hedman, uh, Stamkos, players like that who have unbelievable shots and who will just make you look like a fool if you try and play too tight on them because they'll beat you. So, yeah, that was just it was a great performance by the Avs. And then they were able to clear the puck, even though in a last ditch effort, Tampa Bay pulled their goaltender to get the extra attacker on. The Avs were able to send it the length of the ice a couple of times. The icing was waved off on the last one, and the Avs, just watching the clock tick down, Kale McCarr was able to hold it in there in Tampa Bay's defensive zone, and then time expired, and as they say, it all comes off when you win the Stanley Cup. Darcy Kemper throwing his glove, whipping his mask off, throwing his stick, and so is the entire Avalanche bench. So I really have chills. I'm still very emotional about this win. And they completed their 10th comeback. So that was incredible. And it was great to see that still have chills, seeing the Avs get rewarded for their hard work. And uh, Nathan McKinnon can't say that he didn't, uh, he hasn't won expletive anymore because he has won expletive now. So that's pretty much all I've got to say about the Stanley Cup final. And it was a hard-fought series. Players were banged up. Val Nachushkin was playing with a broken foot. Andre Burkowski was trying to come back, but he had a broken ankle. So just players were banged up, but it's all for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and that's what it's all for. It's all for the Stanley Cup, and it was an incredible, incredible run. So congratulations to you and all Colorado Avalanche fans. And I will say uh, this is a big thing for West Coast hockey as well. Uh, it was really great to have the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup, and I think we'll see hopefully increased crowds in Pueblo and Northern Colorado and everywhere there in the West that follows the Colorado Avalanche because uh, I know there's a huge, uh, I mean, basically most people in Utah are Avalanche fans uh, anywhere around that region. So it, it's going to be really big for those hockey programs, for junior hockey programs in those arenas, for youth hockey programs in those arenas, and hopefully as well for the attendance because, you know, there there's a few arenas that struggle to get the attendance, and I think this is going to change a lot of that so very excited to uh, see that turnout but it's going to be great for Colorado hockey and we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in so be sure to follow us on twitter at PageH official to let us know what you think and also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast and this was the pigeon hockey podcast with chris and michelle 
Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, listeners, always clear your crease.